Well, we've been traveling through the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, and some may know it as the Our Father. And we've been looking at verse by verse as we go through this prayer. And Jesus was teaching his disciples everything. A good disciple would follow his rabbi everywhere, as Jesus' disciples did. And they would ask questions, and they wouldn't just take notes. They would do and live and practice the things they saw their teacher doing. And so one of the things that we see in Scripture that Jesus did often was pray. And so it makes sense, as we read in Matthew, that his disciples would say to Jesus, teach us. Rabbi, teach us to pray like you pray. And the words that Jesus taught them were these words, but they knew, as we know, that these words are more than just this script that we're asked to pray, that there's meaning behind this, and he would have explained this to them. Using the scriptures, he would have taught them what these words meant. And so we thought we would take these weeks and do the same thing and teach what these words mean and how we can take these words spoken 2,000 years ago and apply them to our lives today. How we can pray this same prayer, understanding what Jesus taught us and how he taught us along with the disciples. And so this morning we turn to this next petition. Some say two petitions, some say one, but there are these two petitions in verse 13 of Matthew that Matthew records this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you guys read that with me? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are the words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And there are a couple of things I'd like to point out to you in that short verse. And the first thing is, is that there's this admission that there's temptation in the world. There are things that tempt us to chase after them. It creates, there are these desires in our heart that we long for. And in this context, and in oftentimes in the word temptation, it's chasing after things that aren't good for us. Chasing after things that are unwise. There are things that tempt us to go after and long after that we should not. But they're so tempting. And when we pray this prayer, we're admitting that these things exist. There's also another admission in this prayer, and that there is evil in this world. There's evil in this world today. I know that's not a popular idea, but Scripture teaches us that there is evil in this world, and it has existed in this world since Adam and Eve. But there's also another admission that Jesus wants us to understand, that there's also evil in me. Not just in the world, but evil in me. My heart is still divided. Jesus, the Spirit of God, lives in me. But Paul teaches us that our hearts are still divided. There's still this old man inside of me. We are still sinful human beings. There's still this fleshly part of me, this earthly part of me that longs after to please myself, to forget about the rest of you, to forget about God's commands, and to really long after my own heart. That's evil inside of us when we desire to be God of our own lives. There's also another thing that we're taught in this prayer, that God is the deliverer from temptation and evil. And maybe you're sitting here going, well, we're in church, duh, right? But how often do we ask him for help? How often do we pray this prayer asking him to deliver us? Because what he teaches us is that he's the one. We are not the ones that can extricate ourselves from temptation, and evil. It's by his strength, by his power that we do so. 
But in our world today, there are objections to this petition and the prayer. And one of them is that we just don't think it's necessary. We think that we on our own can decide what's best for us. We think rules and regulations and laws and truths is sort of restricting. They keep me from following after my heart, and in my heart, I know this is right for me. It just feels right. I, I know what God's Word says, but this just feels better to me. And in his book, one of his books, John Ortberg, gives us some examples to kind of show us how this works and how maybe our thinking is just a little bit off, thinking that there shouldn't be these kind of rules and regulations, that these rules and regulations are just there to constrict us, to hold us, to, to kind of hold us captive. And one of the examples he gives is like you're driving on the Eisenhower doing 90 miles an hour and you get pulled over. And the officer comes up to your window and you say to the officer, you know, officer, I understand. I was doing 90. But let me explain. You know, I've spent a lot of time searching my heart and really trying to discover what makes me the happiest. And I can tell you driving 90 miles an hour makes me the happiest. Driving the speed limit is kind of constricting for me. And I hope you can understand that you wouldn't want me to live that way, all tensed up and anxious inside, and that you'd want me to be free so I could drive whatever speed I wanted. So before you, you know, before you give me your spiel and you try to put your law on me, I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. And we have a word for those kind of people. It's called arrested. <laughs> or maybe you're the kind of person that doesn't believe in paying taxes, right? And you say, you know what, tax season, I could use all that money. This idea of net and gross, I don't buy it. I think it's all mine. So I really don't believe in paying taxes, and I don't think anyone should make me pay taxes. I just think that was too constricting, right? It's just like, it doesn't allow me to be myself. And I need to be myself. That's true for me. And then an IRS agent shows up on your doorstep, and he has something else to say. You're arrested. And then one final example he gives is of this young couple, and they're having this celebratory dinner, and their life together, and they're celebrating an anniversary of sorts, and they're just gazing into one another's eyes, and the man turns to the woman, and he says, sweetheart, I love you. I really love you, but I have to tell you, that every time I see an attractive young woman walk by, I have to go after her. I, I must, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's in my nature. And so I have to tell you that a monogamous relationship, it, it's, it's really not who I am. And we have a name for those kind of people. They're called single. <laughs> see, we really don't want to live in a world where there are no rules, where there's no truth, where there's no law. I mean, we don't want to pull up to a stoplight wondering if red means stop today. We want to know that everybody's obeying those rules. Just try it today. Pull up to a stoplight. When it turns green, just stay there. And you'll find out that the world believes there are rules that you should abide by. We really don't believe in a world without laws. But in our fleshly self, in our evil self, we, we want to believe that we don't need rules. But also in our hearts, with the Spirit testifying, we know that we do. We know that we do. We just don't like them. But there's also another objection to this petition, and this is this idea that 
the Lord leads us into temptation because the petition says, lead us not into temptation. And in fact, back in December, Pope Francis spoke up and said, really, that's not a good translation because God does not lead anyone into temptation. God does not tempt anyone. And there's really a great verse to support that. And it's found in James. The brother of Jesus wrote this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. God is not tempting you. You are being tempted by one in the world and by your own heart to follow another path, to resist God's will for your life. God is not tempting you. I've heard people come up to me and say about difficult situations, well, God is tempting. God is testing me. That's why, that's why he's doing this to me. It's like, no, he's not. No, he's not. There is one in the world that is tempting you and appealing to that evil side of your heart, wanting you to chase after your own desires with this appeal of peace and happiness, only to find despair and misery. God is not tempting us. But what is Jesus saying here? When he says, lead us not into temptation, is it a bad translation? Is that the only problem that's going on here? Well, there's several scholars that disagree about this, and there are several of them that have said, well, maybe it's not a bad translation. In fact, maybe it's an accurate translation. And so you say, well, how can that be? Well, we have to understand the context of first century Palestine and a Hebrew culture that would understand this verse and understand what is being said here. Because in Hebrew poetry, as it was then, as it still is today, there's this literary device, this parallelism, where they will give you this negative, this impossibility to highlight what will happen. They'll tell you something that's impossible to emphasize what is. And we see that elsewhere, and we see it in the Psalms. And one of the Psalms says it this way, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. We see the psalmist saying, don't be far off, even though when God's word tells us, he's never far off. Right? He lives in our hearts. He's not far from us. We never need to pray, be with us, because he's already with us. That's an impossibility. But then he says, oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. That is something God is all about. Helping the penitent, helping the one that cries out to him for help. Admitting their weakness and saying, Lord, help me. That is something God is all about. And so in this verse where Jesus says, Don't lead me not into temptation, that is something God never does. But delivering you from evil, God is all about that. So pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. So... How does God deliver us from evil? How is, what is his plan to deliver you and I from evil? Well, we'll see this morning, as represented by the bowl here this morning, in the waters of our baptism, one of the first ways that he delivers us from evil. It's in the waters of baptism that he gives us his Holy Spirit, marks us as one redeemed by Christ. In a way, putting earnest money on our lives, saying, this one is mine. And he saves us and delivers us from the ultimate evil, from the ultimate death. 
Because he paid that price. That's how he delivered us. He paid the price for all men's sins. He delivered everyone. Those who pray this prayer, those who don't even believe in him, he paid the price for that sin. He has delivered all of us. But another way that he helps us is that not just for eternity, but for this life now, he helps us in the midst of our temptation. There's a great verse that I'd like to read to you. It's from 1 Corinthians 10. And Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all of us. You hear that? Temptations are common to all of us. No matter how strange you think your temptation is, your desires, your evil heart, you know it and you're ashamed of it. Paul is telling us is you're not alone in that. That's a common temptation to all of us. You're not some strange weirdo. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can endure it. God provides us a way out. He understands you're going to be tempted in this world each and every day. And he's provided a way out. That same Holy Spirit that lives in you is your guide out of temptation. He will lead you away from that path. Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit. He's given us his word as a guide. To guide and direct us in our daily lives. And he's put his spirit in us to remind us of these words. And to beckon our hearts to follow. He's given us a guide out of temptation. In the midst of it, God will always provide a way out. We may not always follow, but he will always provide that way out. So I ask you this morning. What temptations are you struggling with today? What are those things right now in your life where you're struggling to let go of that just keep calling your name and whispering your name? What are those things that you sit there and beat yourself up about and want to know, how will I ever get rid of this? And you're praying that nobody ever finds out about it. What is that you're struggling with? And when is the last time you ask God for help? When's the last time you've prayed this prayer in those circumstances? One of the ways God delivers us is when we ask for help. You know, when I was in third grade, I used to walk home from school, something a lot of third graders don't do this day, these days. But it was about five blocks home. And for a period of about three weeks, there was this fifth grader that used to chase me home and wait for me in the alley and different places and threatened to beat me up. And so I was always trying to find a different way home and peeking around corners and just always on edge. And one day, it took me a long time to get home after school, and my mom was there, and she's like, where have you been? And I finally told her where, what had happened. And so the next day, she's like, just walk home. And so I walked home, and the bully jumps out, and my mom jumps out. Needless to say, he never jumped out at me again. <laughs> See, oftentimes we're too scared, we're too embarrassed to ask for help. We're, we're too afraid to tell somebody else what we're afraid of. 
And God has put us in this body of believers to help us. He himself is someone that knows exactly what you're afraid of, exactly what you're scared of. He knows it already. So why don't you just admit it? And why don't you pray to him for help? That's exactly what Jesus is teaching us. Pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. Ask him to deliver you from evil. Oftentimes we just give in to the bully and think that's just our lot in life. But he's put us in this body of believers, people that are being tempted the same way you're being tempted, that have maybe been delivered already from that same temptation and they want to walk alongside of you and help you resist. That's why God has given us the church. So we can walk alongside of one another and we can be honest and transparent and vulnerable with one another, admitting to what we're afraid of. What are you afraid of this morning? What are you afraid of admitting that you can't handle? What is it that's overcoming you? Ask for help. It's okay to admit that I'm weak because we want to be able to see things coming. We don't want to be led into temptation by our hearts. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, dealing with temptation is like motoring, driving a car. You know, he's from England. Don't wait until the last moment before you put on the brakes. Put them on gently and quietly while the danger is still a good way off. Makes sense, doesn't it? That you would be praying this prayer each and every day in times where you're not in the midst of temptation, where you're not dealing with it. Pray this prayer every day. Let me give you the first sign that you should pray this prayer. When you wake up in the morning, that's the first sign. When you wake up and you realize you're alive, pray this prayer. Because this day will be filled with temptation. We need to pray this prayer each and every day. But there are times where we're more susceptible than others. And one of those times is when we're successful, when things are going really good. This is a sign for us that we should pray this prayer. When things are just going our way, it seems like everything I do comes up roses. We need to pray this prayer. Because Satan often attacks us in our strength, not just in our weaknesses where we feel overconfident, where we feel like we've got this, knowing God is with us, but we don't seek his help. We don't ask for his help because we grow strong in our hearts, thinking we can overcome anything because I have been overcoming everything. This is a time to pray. Another sign is when you're tired. I'm not just talking sleepy. I'm talking exhausted. You're sleeping, but it doesn't matter. You are exhausted by the work that's going on in your life, the relationship that's just wearing you down, the struggles you're facing at work, the struggles you're facing at home, and you're just tired. And you know in those times is when you're most susceptible to saying things that are so cutting and so hurting, but you're just so tired and so exhausted. The only thing you can say at that moment is what's on the tip of your tongue, what will shut up the other person And you say it in that way because you're just exhausted. That's a time to pray this prayer. Lead me not into that word. Lead me not into that action. Deliver me from myself. 
And the third sign I want to share with you is this idea that when we're lonely. And it's different than being alone. You can be alone. Nobody's in your space. But lonely is when nobody's in your heart. You could be in the middle of this room this morning, and chances are there are some of you in the middle of this room this morning that are feeling exactly like that. You have people in your life, you have a relationship, you're in a marriage, but you're lonely. You feel like you're the only one. And we pray this prayer to remind ourselves that we are never alone. God is never far off. God is always with us. Even though it doesn't feel that way, God is with us. And as we pray this prayer, I promise you, he will remind you of that fact. He says, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. He promises to reveal himself to you. Seek after him by praying this prayer. We pray it, Father, who art in heaven. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Deliver me from those thoughts in my own mind those thoughts that are placed into my mind that I am worthless, I don't count for anything. But it's in his word that he'll remind us that you mean more to him than his own son. Pray this prayer always. Ask God to deliver you. Ask others in the body of Christ to walk alongside you, to help you see the landmines, to help you see what you're blinded to. to what you were powerless to overcome on your own. And the last way I want to share with you that he comforts us and he delivers us is recorded in Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read both verses to you. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin talking about Jesus, the high priest, who walked on this earth, who was tempted by Satan in every way, just as we are. He understands your temptations. He understands what you're going through. The psalmist writes, where can I go that you are not there? Everywhere I go, you are there. You know the thoughts in my heart. God knows your thoughts. He knows the desires in your heart. And he doesn't reject you. He empathizes with you. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Oftentimes in the midst of our temptation, in the midst of the thing that we're doing, the last person we want to go to is God because of the shame and the guilt that we feel at the moment. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, that's the first person we need to go to. Not just after, but in the middle and before and always. Praying that he would deliver us from this. Praying for the strength, the desire to not follow our heart. But when we fail and we give in to our temptation and we give in to our weakness, he says, in that moment, pray to me. Pray to me and understand you will not receive condemnation but mercy and grace to strengthen you for the next time, for the next day. It's a continual dependence upon God 
Maturing in our faith is understanding that we become more dependent, not independent. And we pray this prayer in all circumstances, at all times, knowing He is faithful and He is true and that I am weak. I am weaker than I could ever imagine and loved more than I could ever fathom. This prayer reminds me of that. That He does not want us to fall into this temptation, that He wants to deliver us. And He has already delivered us. And He calls us to follow Him, not because it's a law or because I have to, but because we want to. Because we see the wisdom in His laws. We see the wisdom in His rules. And in those rules and in those laws, we see His love for His children. Our Father loves His children. He longs for all of us to experience that love. He longs for all of us to pray this prayer in all circumstances. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.